Hello, welcome to My Camino, the podcast. I'm Dan Mullins. I'm so excited to bring you this week's episode. This, for me, as my old mate Brett Crosby used to say on the Camino, next level. This is a podcast about the Camino de Santiago, a series of pilgrimages across Europe. Pilgrims have walked for hundreds of years. I can't imagine pilgrims of old would be walking seeking clarity. Most probably they were walking for redemption or for answers or to overcome some hardship or tragedy. Pilgrims today walk for a range of reasons. More than likely, they're just hoping the time and space they find on the Camino will give their heart room to beat without encumbrance. I haven't mentioned in a few weeks my trip to the United States in March to talk and perform at the American Pilgrims on the Camino conference. It seems like an age ago, to be honest. So much has happened to me in my life, to those around me, and of course, to the world, to all of us, in that time. I performed two concerts at the conference in Lake Tahoe. It was in many ways a dream come true, snow falling outside, hearts and souls melding in the collective warmth inside. I felt we were part of something massive in all of our lives. I felt we were part of a collective hope, a collective prayer, a common wish, a collective invocation. If this loose collection of pilgrims from around the world could pray for a better outcome, perhaps we could make for a better world. What a wonderful legacy. A pilgrim's legacy is something I think about often. I don't pretend to have the answers, but I like to pose questions. What is it about a pilgrimage that makes us feel connected? Why do our Camino friendships mean so much? I have a theory. It's because we hope for a better day, a better tomorrow, a better you, a better me, a better world. When you're sitting in a cafe in Santo Domingo de la Cavada, and there are people from Wales, Scotland, England, Italy, Spain, Greece, Korea, Germany, Switzerland, Australia, New Zealand, Japan and France... Everyone is laughing and singing, hugging, telling stories, sharing their enthusiasm for life, for love, sharing their enthusiasm for one another, for today, and for the future. If that table, covered in empty glasses, was the head table at the United Nations, I tell you, there'd be no wars, no conflict, no nuclear weapons. Just a gentle coming to terms with what our lives provide. For some of us, that's enough. For others, what our lives provide is, as Bruce Springsteen once wrote, tougher than the rest. One of the songs I sang at the conference in Lake Tahoe was We Shall Overcome, the Pete Seeger song. I've sung it since I was a boy. We shall overcome. We shall overcome. We shall overcome someday. Oh, deep in my heart, I do believe we shall overcome someday. I've had a few obstacles to overcome these last few years, but I'm determined to make milestones rather than millstones. My guests this week are Camino legends. They sum up the pilgrim invocation. I'll pray for you. I'll walk with you. I'll care for you, I'll sing with you, I'll carry your pack, I'll push you. I'm so glad to say I have Justin Skisuck and Patrick Gray on the line from the United States. Gentlemen, welcome. What's up, man? 
great to hear your voices. Uh, you were born just hours apart, a lifelong friendship. Justin, I'm going to start with you. A neuromuscular disease has slowly taken away your ability to walk. Put simply, you're wheelchair bound. How have you managed to make sense of the cards that you've been dealt? Uh, well, that's a very loaded question. Um, <clears throat> you know, it's it's been an evolution over time. Um, what I would probably say, uh, you know, the biggest focus that I've had in my life has been, you know, my family and my wife and my friends. Patrick has been by my side for my life. So, um, you know, it's everyone has, I, I believe everyone that I've come across at least has something that we're all dealing with, right? We're all challenged in many ways in our life. And if you haven't been challenged yet in your life, uh, you will be, it's just part of being lie alive. Um, but in my case, you know, living with a progressive neuromuscular disease, um, it has definitely shaped the way that I view life and, and live life. Um, and for those who who may not um, know exactly what you know my prognosis is, you know, I, I have a, a I do have a progressive neuromuscular disease, and it I do live life in a wheelchair, and I'm not able to really feed myself, or uh, you know I stand or I can't walk anymore. Uh, I, I'm basically cared for for every aspect of my life, and so it is throughout that process. You know, I've realized that life really is too short to uh, wait to live. And, you know, Patrick has been along my side for all these years and and, and he's helped me uh, achieve to do. Uh, and it's just, it, it's not just me. I mean, to live the life that I have to live, uh, it requires a lot of people around me. So, um it's just I have just learned how to take it in stride and to, to try to find the best parts of it yeah great best best. yeah yeah great message that we will all have to overcome some hardship at some stage that's entirely correct Patrick as lifelong friends you and Justin were talking about the Camino de Santiago and Justin said he'd love to do it and you said I'll push you was there ever a moment in the ensuing days weeks and months where you thought hmm Maybe I've bitten off more than I can chew. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I kind of live life that way. I, I, I bite off more than I can chew and figure out how to swallow it. Uh, good. So it's, uh, <laughs> it's kind of the way both Justin and I are wired. But it wasn't, you know, we actually get this, that kind of question fairly often. And it's, it's one that I want to clarify this, not so much where you regret a decision. It's more of, okay, I'm in over my head. How do I navigate this now? And it kind of piggybacks on what Justin was mentioning about everyone faces struggle. Uh, it might be, you know, thrust upon you in Justin's case, you know, with a, an illness that is unplanned and, and completely radically changes your world. But sometimes we choose the obstacles that we uh, we face, um, sometimes intentionally or sometimes because we make certain choices that put us on a path that is just more challenging. And so much of our ability to navigate the tough stuff depends on our willingness to let others in to help us in a journey. And while this whole struggle, this whole Camino of, I mean, doing 500 miles with a wheelchair with Justin was, 
it was so insanely hard. Uh, it put me on a path to learn a very valuable lesson that the, the greatest things in life are the ones that we can't do on our own. If we set out to do something that we think is amazing and we do it all on our own strength, our own skill set, our own you know, drive, it's really not that great. In fact, I would argue that if that's our mindset, it's really quite pathetic because the really great stuff, the, the dreams worth like achieving are the ones that we know we can't accomplish through our own strength, our own drive the ones that we have to invite other people in to allow us to be successful. And that's really what this wound up being for me. Fantastic. What a great answer. But back to you, Justin, what did your families think when you, you two started to talk about this, when it really became something that you were actually going to do? Well, uh, most people don't quite believe this, but my wife was actually very, very, very supportive. Um, you know, we've, we've, my mar- you know, my wife, Kirsten, you know, we've been married now for 20 years. Uh, you know, she just knows that when I set out to do something, I'm going to do it. Uh, it may look a little different than most people, but she, she just knew immediately when I brought up the, uh, the idea of doing the Camino, uh, that she, she was just like, yeah, like I gotcha. Like whatever you need, I, I can help you. I can help encourage you you know, she, she just was in my, in my corner and it was shortly thereafter where I actually pitched the idea of Patrick doing the Camino with me. And, uh, and, you know, Patrick's wife is the same way. He could speak to that a little bit more than I can, but, but both of our wives are, are both amazing ladies and they just love us and just knew that it was something that we needed to do. And it wasn't about, Oh, I'm not going to be with my husband for the next month or so or whatever. Uh, I mean, they knew that that required that sacrifice, but it was, that wasn't the barrier. That wasn't the issue. It was just, I believe in you. You could do it. I'm here for you. Yeah, that's great. How, but how much research, Justin, did you do about what you might encounter? Did you know, well, day three is going to be really tough or day, much tougher than day two? Or did you just think, okay, We'll get prepared. We'll get a chair that can cross difficult terrain, and let's go. Uh, I think it was a mixture of both. There was a mixture of you know Patrick and I when we decided to do the pilgrimage together. We we set out to to figure out to try to figure out what we you know what we were up against more or less. Yeah. I mean, you really know until you're actually on the trail. Uh, especially if you're dealing with a wheelchair, it's a whole different level than. Then, uh, if you're on foot, you could traverse rocks and, you know, mud and all those kind of things. So we, uh, there was actually a, an author here in Boise, one of our first people that we knew that had done the Camino. Uh, his name was Dean Kuhn. I'm uh, sorry. Um, uh, what was his name? Pat? Kurt. Kurt Kuhn. Yeah, Kurt. Kuhn. I've interviewed Kurt. Kurt. He's yeah. great. Yeah. So, yeah. He's a yeah, local Kurt. guy, right? Boise, Idaho. Yeah. So Kurt is from Boise, so that's where we live, Boise, Idaho. And uh, so we met him with him over lunch, and uh, and Kurt was really great. He gave us some really good insight on maybe what to expect and some things that from his experience going on the pilgrimage. And you know, we did a little bit of research, but I think we got to a point where it was 
you know, we have the books and the guidebooks, you know, we have the Briarly guide, we mm. had the Michelin guide, and those are the only two guides that we had to get a, a good sense of elevation gain and loss from the trail conditions. But we got to a point a few months in after researching, we said, you know, I, more or less, we're just going to, you know, it's, you can overthink it to the nth degree. I mean, you can, you can spend hours and hours and hours and hours trying to figure out what's going on, but nobody had really done it in a wheelchair to the degree that we were planning on doing it. So we, we just kind of said, well, let's just focus on training. Let's just focus on, on what we need to do. And, and then we'll figure out each day and each section of the trail as it came up. And, and tried to lower our expectations as much as possible. And that really, at least for me, that really helped because, you know, you have, obviously there's, there's certain things like day one out of um, St. Jean, we had to go up the Pyrenees so that we had to, you know, there were certain sections that we were researching, uh, Pyrenees, Osebrero, and La Meseta and some other things like that, that we were, that we looked into, but we didn't overthink it too much. We just, just kind of got the gist of what we were up against. And then we decided that every day would be its own challenge. And, and that's, we'd figure out yeah. And that can be as much said about life as it can be about the Camino, can't it? Hey, Patrick, I wanted to ask you how much of the motivation or your motivation was fueled by Justin's perspective on life that he was just talking about the, the way he conducts himself in the wake of extraordinary odds. Oh boy. Uh, at, at that moment in time, if you'd ask that question, I would say it wasn't. But in retrospect, I would say the, the, the Camino called me through Justin. You know, we, we, we hear that all the time that, you know, the, the Camino calls you, the Camino calls you. It almost sounds cliche. Yet I truly believe that. And it calls people in different ways. And it called me through Justin's desire to accomplish something that he otherwise would never have been able to do, you know, in a wheelchair. I'm more of a backpack, backcountry, get away from people kind of guy. Like that's that's how I grew up. That's what I like to do is kind of escape and be be in nature without all these people around. So the idea of the Camino initially was not something that really struck me as something I'd want to do. But in hindsight, after having experienced so much raw and intimate community with people from all over the world, people stepping in to help me where I couldn't push Justin just another step. People who stepped in to, to pull him up a mountain that I couldn't get him up. Uh, I, I believe now that that was, <laughs> it, it was integral. It was so important that I learned that perspective. So I wouldn't say Justin's perspective on life necessarily drove me it was more of just, hey, my buddy wants to do this. We've done so many things together throughout our history. We've lived so many adventures out. Why would I not just jump in and, and let his dream become a part of you know, my dream, right? Uh, but then having experienced it, it's like, oh, I needed to be here because I needed to learn to let go of a lot of stuff that I was carrying on, that I was holding on to, a lot of stuff that I wasn't letting go, a lot of control and lack of, of freedom in mindset and heart that I just didn't realize that I was capable of experiencing. Wow. Justin, how important is faith in all of this? You know, it's, it's a big piece of, of our 
wise, uh, it's everyone has their own kind of, I mean, what I found is a lot of people have their own, I don't know, unique take on faith and what does that look like. Uh, I kind of put faith and fear together in one, you know, kind of cohesive, you know, thing. Whereas to get through fear, you need to have faith. And, you know, I, I was, I was born and raised in, in a Christian home and I've had my struggles with, with Christianity over the course of my life, just in and out. And, and, uh, and what does that look like, especially dealing with a, a disease that's going to eventually, you know, probably most likely take my life. And so, uh, my faith journey has evolved over time. So, it's not like I just had it one day and there you go, I'm good. Uh, it's, it's times where I lose it. It's times where I have it in abundance. It's times where it's just there underneath the radar. But for this pilgrimage specifically, it was, it was a big piece of, of us stepping out. I mean, not only putting myself out there and doing something that I never thought I could do. I mean, I, I tell people I'm more, I'm happy sitting on a beach, you know, having margaritas, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a hiker like Patrick is. I'm not a out necessarily an outdoorsy type person. I'm not a, I'm not a go hike for miles on end type person. Yeah. It's not, it's not necessarily my thing, but this one for some reason just really was calling at me. And, and when I, when that, I've learned to listen to that voice. So when that was calling at me, pulling so hard, you know, just this kind of inner voice saying, you need to go do this, go do, you know, go do this, go do this. There's, there's a, that's where faith oversteps fear is because you don't know what it's going to look like. You don't know if you're going to make it. You don't know if you're getting yourself into harm's way. You don't know. You know, there, there's a lot of unknowns that are part of this, especially for me in my life, you know, living yeah. with a disability and living with the, the needs that I have. It's it's it was monumental to have that. So, you know, faith for me has been a key component of how I've been able to move through life. But it's it's a uh, I wouldn't trade it for anything because you know, there's that initial step of, okay, what am I getting myself into here? I don't know where this is going to go, but yet you just trust that I'm going to land on my feet and we're going to, we're going to make it through this. And, and I, I wouldn't have done it with any other person than Patrick because we've known each other for such a long time that I know that he was there. He was there to, we we're going to go through it together. We we're going to succeed together or we we're going to fail miserably together. And, <laughs> <laughs> and we were going to have fun in the whole process of it. So, yeah. uh, you know, that's, I'm glad that he stepped out in faith too, because it's not just me, it's, it's him and it's, and it's, and it's our families and it's our families to step out in faith and say, yeah, you guys can go do this too. So, uh, most people don't quite understand that, that it's, it's much more than just me. It's much more than just Patrick and me. It's, it's, everyone around us. I mean, our children and our wives and our families that believe too. And that's faith in its own. 
the powers that be, in a sense, that enabled you to overcome extraordinary odds to achieve something truly incredible. You talk about four aspects, four powers that be in a way, faith that we've just talked about, hope, love, and friendship. Uh, We've talked there about faith. Patrick, why don't you tell us about hope? Hope is an interesting concept for a lot of people, especially in today's world. You know, there's there's so much division um, on, on really a host of topics. And it's, it's easy for a lot of people, myself included, to kind of sometimes, I don't want to say turn your back on hope, but wonder if hope is worth it. Because like the art of civil discourse, the art of having a conversation about things where we might disagree or have different, different perspectives seems to be lost in so many ways. And yet, there's these moments in your life where you sit down, like I'm, I'm thinking right now of when I used to sit down with my kids and have conversations about hard stuff. And you, you hear them struggle and wrestle with oppression or a certain group of people being, being treated differently and how it's not fair, it's not right. And I hear that from a 10-year-old and 11-year-old and a 15-year-old and I think, whoa, 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 there's hope. There's hope because we've got people that that want others to be treated with love and compassion and grace and mercy. It's, and these ideas, when you hear them come from other people, they, they fill me up, right? So I say all that to say, if I'm on the Camino, when I've been on the Camino, and you meet someone who's got a drive to allow their story to crash into somebody else's, be a part of their life for a few minutes, a few hours, a few days sometimes, maybe a few weeks, and just be better because of that person and that other person can walk away being better because of who the, the individual is, that's where hope rests. That's where hope can thrive. Uh, and my, my, my whole perspective on life has shifted tremendously since doing the Camino the first time because I find so much of our hope in navigating any type of conflict adversity, struggle, whatever it may be, rests in our willingness to press in to the relationships we have and allow others to step in. And really, really it comes down to vulnerability. So much hope is in our acknowledging our weaknesses and letting other people carry burdens for us just as we do the same thing for them. And you said friendship earlier, and it's like, I, I don't think a true friendship, I don't think true faith can exist unless we are willing to grab onto that kind of hope, hope in our brothers and sisters, hope in <laughs> hope in the beauty that can exist. It may not exist now, but the beauty that can exist in every single relationship. Wow. You know, um, we talked, okay, so that's faith and hope. Um, Justin, let's go back to you. Why don't you tell us about love, the third of the four powers that be that enabled you to overcome these extraordinary odds. Tell us about love. Love in our lives, you know, Patrick can speak to him, but I, I believe we're we're very, very on pretty close to being on the same page on this, is that you know, love for us is is a very key part to how we live and try to live life to the best of our abilities. And what I mean by that is that, for example, Patrick and I have had such a long friendship. We've known each other for 45 years now. 
and there hasn't been a day where we haven't known each other. And I know Patrick uh, on a very deep level, and he knows me on a very, very deep level. He knows where I, where I struggle. He knows where I where I have challenges in my life, and he he, he encourages me and keeps me accountable. And so throughout just just our relationship i'm not talking about like with our wives and with our kids i'm talking about just our friendship at the at this in this example is that he knows all my my ugliness and he chooses to love me despite that it's not conditional so and i love him as a brother unconditional so Whatever he's going through, I will love him and support him and make try to try to be there for him, listen, encourage him, whatever it takes for us to continue our our brotherhood and our friendship. Uh, that obviously extends naturally into our 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 relationships with our wives and with our kids and with our friends, uh, and we experienced love. Uh, I mean, it still is is hard to wrap our heads around about the you know the people we met on our pilgrimage. And we've been on a we've actually been on two now two pilgrimages. We've done the 500 or 800 kilometers, and we did last 100 kilometers last fall again. So even then, it's just the love that we've received from people willing to step in and help us and, and encourage us and and uh, get us from where we were to all the way to Santiago is is has shown up over and over and over again. And so it's love for us is is a big part of 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 who we are and how we try to operate. Of course there are days where it's challenging. You know, especially people that you know, or maybe even public figures we might not agree with. Uh, you know, you have to really kind of work through that. But we we try to lead and live in love, and and be there for people, and try to be an example for that. And uh, and and it's uh, I I would say life would be a void of despair if we didn't have love in our lives and people who surrounded us and, and encouraged us and and us loving others. So it is a key, key to, uh, to humanity. It's a key to survival. It's a key to healthy and abundant relationships. It's, it, I can't fathom life without it. Yeah. I have mentioned here many times on the podcast that when you think back on on the very basis of Christianity and the one of the reasons that St James went to Siberia uh, to Siberia to Spain in the first place was to teach Christ's message and that message really is love. It's pretty simple. Mm-hmm. It's pretty straightforward. <laughs> when you break it down and take out all the complications of religion and all the rest of it, uh, it's really just a simple message and that is f- about love, which is 
about as beautiful as you can get. Uh, there's still friendship, the fourth aspect or the fourth power that be that I want to talk to you about. But the film of the journey, the first Camino, and I want to get to your second one later, I'll push you, this is the film, aims to show people each life is not defined by its limitations, but is defined by what is accomplished in spite of those limitations. Uh, Patrick, what did you learn, do you think, uh, on the Camino de Santiago? What did you learn about yourself more than anything? Oh, uh, <laughs> I learned a lot about myself, but the most significant uh, lesson, you know, I'm, a, I'm a pretty type A person. I'm very driven. I'm very focused. Uh, and I have, to put it bluntly, control issues um, <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to everything. I mean, especially in, in, in my work life. But I was thrust into a world where I started off on this journey. I started off in this 500 miles with Justin, kind of at the helm, right? I mean, meaning I was I was I was either within arm's length or pushing or pulling the entire distance, right? That, that's what I had in my head that I was going to push Justin from Santiago or from St. John to Santiago, and I couldn't have been more wrong, man. It was. Uh, the biggest lesson I learned over the 30, you know, five days that it took us to, to get to Santiago was that there's no such thing as a self-made man or woman. There's no such thing as, as a person who can just do it on their own. There's no such thing as, as, <laughs> uh, uh, an individual feat of, 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 you know, renown that they don't exist. Like it, when, when, and what I mean by that is that if I look back on my life, and I did a lot of this on the Camino, I look back on everything that I'm proud of, every single feat that I can look back and point to and said I did that. I have to pause, and then I have to acknowledge the mentors who who coached me, the people who who were my educators in any given topic, the people who taught me how to do a certain skill set in a job, the individuals who had faith in me, and suddenly it becomes so apparent that. There's nothing that I've done on my own that's really that great. All the things that I am proud of are because are, were possible because someone else stepped in and helped me in, in in various ways. And so on the Camino, when I had this mindset that I'm going to get Justin from St. John to Santiago, and it was, I mean, so day 28 was when it really hit me when we're going up Osterboro, oh. and literally 17 people do what I can't do. I, I mean, we, we, we were trying to get to the base of that mountain. We were trying to meet up with people who agreed to help us. And it was a situation where what was originally going to be four or five people turned into 12, turned into 14, turned into 16, turned into 17. And I found myself so far back because I couldn't keep up. My body was broken down. I couldn't keep pace with these people who came in fresh and ready to do what I couldn't do. I had to let go of control. I had to let go of the reins and say, you know what? If we're going to be successful, Justin and I, we're, success we're successful with a community of people who are going to step in and love us. Not because it's he and I, but because it's a global like, approach to navigating this, this one man's desire to get to Santiago. And to set all that aside, it was, it was like, oh, look at this. This, this. this impacts every aspect of my life. Everything that I do is either improved and ma made so much better because I let other people in or it's tainted because 
I think I have to do it on my own. And ultimately I was, I was tired of being in my own way. And I had been in my own way for a long time. That's what I learned is that, I mean, <laughs> if, if I want to really get the most out of life, I got to let go of the reins. I got to let go of control and let other people step in and augment me where I'm weak. I got to be vulnerable and recognize that in that vulnerability lies some of my greatest strength. And that is what, that's what Justin taught me through his vulnerability. I mean, the, the, the film and book are called I'll Push You because yeah, I'm physically pushing Justin, but at the end of the day, he's pushing me every bit as hard emotionally, spiritually, mentally to move beyond my own shortcomings. And what a wonderful Camino that is as well. A spiritual yeah. Camino, an internal Camino for you. For sure. Yeah, that's great. Justin, what did you learn about yourself on the Camino? Um, I learned a couple things. I, I, one that I sell myself, most of us, um, I can't speak for everyone else. I can speak for me. How much I've sold myself short. And what I mean by that is, is how often do we look at something that seems insurmountable, you know, like doing a, the pilgrimage of the Camino in a wheelchair, uh, you know, and how many people would just look at that and say, nope, I don't want to do that, but it's too hard or whatever. Uh, I remember very, very distinctly as we were coming into the square in Santiago, uh, as we we're entering the cathedral, the base of the cathedral, that how much I am capable of, and and that uh, the world really is wide open to all of us. You just have to be able to, you know, step out in faith and act on. It. Uh, so that that's one thing that I've learned. The other thing that I learned is uh, is how how good people are in this world. Uh, You know, there are a lot of really good people doing really good and amazing things. And unfortunately, you know, at least here in America, you know, the news is jack, you know, it's full of, of the bad things that are happening in this world. The things that are, you know, murder and corruption and this and that and, and, and what going through the pilgrimage just, just taught me that humanity is still alive and well, uh, that we're all inherently good. And, you know, it's, it's the bad apples in the world that ruin it for the rest of us. But, you know, it's that so many people stepped in and showed us kindness and showed us mercy and were there for us and complete. I mean, these are com- complete strangers, right? Yeah, I mean, these yeah. are, know these people at all i mean some people would step in for 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 a few minutes to help us get up a certain or get through a certain section of the trail or people would stay with us for several days if not you know a a week or two so and and to form those bonds with those people and to to see that they were just willing to step in and completely altruistic just just there to help support and, and love us through our pilgrimage. So that, you know, the lesson that I've learned is that humanity is still a beautiful thing. 
And there are so many good people doing so many great things, and we can't lose sight of that. You both mentioned that you were back on the Camino last year, taking a group of guided pilgrims for a journey of discovery. Indeed, my friend Tony Jacks was with you. Uh, he walked mm-hmm. with you, yeah. And he told me it was one of the best things he's done in his entire life, and he's lived a pretty busy life. So yes. Yeah. So, Justin, despite the incredible obstacles that you've overcome with the help of Patrick and others, as you said, to make... To, or to help make dreams come true for people who perhaps couldn't even dare to dream that they could do something like a Camino must have been quite rewarding. Icing on the cake almost. Oh, absolutely. I mean, beyond rewarding. You know, uh, for, for those who, don't, who aren't aware, ever since we went on our pilgrimage, you know, for a couple of years, we would have people reach out to us and say, hey, you know, I'm disabled. How do you do the Camino if you're in a wheelchair or yeah. if you can't make it walk as far or whatever? That's the big thing. I mean, if you aren't, if you can't walk, you know, 20 kilometers a day, day in, day out or whatever, then that's a challenge for, for, for some people. So, you know, we would just spend time answering emails or Skype calls or, you know, video chats, whatever it took, you know. And after about, I don't know, eight or nine different calls, seven, eight, nine, somewhere around there. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, I got off a call uh, and I, I called Pat and I said, Hey man, we need to do something about this. What do you think, you know, if we were to take people with disabilities on the Camino, the last hundred kilometers. And, uh, and so, you know, we both said, yeah, let's, that's something that let's just see where that might go. And so we, uh, you know, kind of, we, we explored the option and we partnered with Camino Ways. They're based out of Ireland, Dublin, Ireland. And they helped us on our pilgrimage with some, some logistics. And, uh, and we said, Hey, we want to take some, we want to take some people in wheelchairs on the Camino. Like, let's, let's figure that out. And so, you know, it took about six months of planning to, to get it prepped and ready. And then another 18 months to, or another, no, less than that, about 12 months. I'm sorry to uh we announced the group and it sold out like super quick yeah we we didn't realize how much of a demand there was so we opened it up to people with disabilities of all kinds so it's not not just wheelchairs it's people with various disabilities and and what probably took us surprise the most was how many people like tony uh who stepped up and and said, I want to come help push. I want to help help pull. I want to help guide. I want to help be a part of this. And so it's this beautiful uh, alchemy of people from all around the globe, uh, people with disabilities, people without disabilities, just wanted to come and help. And and we took our first group last fall. And there's about 50 of us total, 10 people in wheelchairs and a, a visually impaired individual. And it was absolutely amazing. I mean, Tony is right. I mean, even for us, it's the, it was, uh, you know, <laughs> one of those things I think Patrick and I are just pinching ourselves that that's like part of what we get to do now. And so, uh, we actually opened it, opened up two more groups that we were supposed to do this last, this past uh. June, postpone until uh, next year due to, due to COVID. But, we uh, we actually have two more groups we're doing next next June, uh, about a little over a hundred people total. Wow. So it's uh, you know it's not a typical Camino, so it's not like we're all staying in 
albergues or, you know, along the trail every day. We, we actually, we stay in hotel in hotels, uh, in, uh, we're doing this one with, in, uh, where are we staying? First, I'm totally blanking. Like Lugo. 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 We're staying in Lugo for the first half. And then, uh, back and we go to Santiago for this, for the second half of the trip. And, uh, you know, and we, we do that because people just have accessibility needs and bathrooms and those kind of things that you just don't really have yeah. on, the trail, on the trail itself. So, uh, it's, it really is a, a big blessing. It's a really, it's an honor that we get to do it. And, uh, and to have so many people step up from, Australia, New Zealand, Europe, uh, America, Canada. Uh, it's, it's amazing to, to just see so many people say, yeah, I want to help be a part of this or, um, or, you know, even better yet, somebody who has a disability who never in a million years would have thought they could ever do the pilgrimage. And to see it through their eyes is, is, uh, it's remarkable, uh, just to say the least. I mean, it's not only the, the cherry on the top, it's the whipped cream, it's the chocolate, it's everything. <laughs> you know, we, it, it really is something that we'll, you know, we'll continue to do it uh, if there's the, the demand for it. And, um, and if people are interested, they can always go to our website at allpushyou.com and they can see uh, there's a, a tab for accessible Caminos and they can get on the wait list for uh, 2022 if they want. So How fantastic. Pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. That, that's. If you want to join us, oh, someday, I'll be fine. I would love to. I would absolutely love to. It would be fantastic. It was when Tony told me that he was going. I said, "Oh, that sounds really interesting. I'd like to talk to you when you came back. When you come back to Australia." And he said, oh, yeah, for sure, you know. And so he actually messaged me the night that you arrived in, in the last night in Santiago. And he said, oh, Dan, this is a great story, you know. And I said, I text him back and said, why don't I talk to you tomorrow morning? And he said, sure. He was like a different person. He was just on cloud nine. He, you could hear talking down the line, the smile on his face and just this pure exhilaration of being able to give unconditionally to those people who needed his help and support. And indeed, at the end of last week's podcast, I talked about what a joy it is to give without an expectation of receiving. And I think that they, Tony and, and the other people that came along and accompanied you guys and helped you guys got so much out of it that he most probably felt, in a sense... <laughs> He didn't really deserve to get that much out of it because that's not what it was about. But it is lovely to give and it is lovely to be a pilgrim. Uh, A a pilgrim's heart beats strong uh, and and we love to give back and we love to grow uh, in as a result of giving. And I think that's a really beautiful thing. I, I want to, if I could, just take a step kind of off the track I'm a mad uh, motorsport fan, um, and I love mechanics. It's one of those things I've been obsessed with since I was a little kid. How did you go about sourcing a wheelchair? You're in Boise, Idaho. You know that you've got 800 kilometers or 500 miles of pretty heavy going trail ahead of you. Take us through the process of developing the 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 means to travel across there. Did you... 
did you sit down and start from scratch with a wheelchair or, or pa- perhaps Patrick, you might take us through the, the, the journey of, of, of building the chair. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's not as, as, as grand as you make it sound. Um, you know, so while I was training for the Camino, Justin was doing a lot of the research and figuring this out. And the big piece was to find this wheelchair, right? Uh, something that would work with, 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 with off-road conditions. And at that point in time, uh, things are different now, but at that point in time, there was not a lot in the off-road wheelchair market. It was pretty, pretty limited. And so Justin found this guy out of Vancouver, British Columbia that was building these off-road wheelchairs. And it was really cool because it was actually he and his best friend. The guy that designed it was a, uh, was he a paraplegic, Justin, or quadriplegic? I can't remember, Brian. He's, he's a quadriplegic. Quadriplegic. Yeah, right. So he wow. designed And then his best friend is a welder, and he started building them with aircraft aluminum so they're nice and light. And, I mean, Justin, I'll turn it over to you. you. You're the one that reached out to him to kind of, you know, figure things out. But how'd that conversation go? Yeah, he, uh, when I reached out and I talked to him, his name was Brian, uh, I said, Hey, uh, I'd like to use your, you know, buy one of your chairs. I'm looking to get one of your chairs for a pilgrimage I'm going on. I explained what we were doing. And, uh, I think what, if I recall his first reaction was, was, uh, well, I didn't really make the chair for something like that. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, well, yeah, I understand that. I said, but, uh, but I think it'd be a great fit. And, uh, and you know, would love to, to 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 talk with you further about getting one made uh, for us. And my buddy Pat's going to be pushing me, and, and it's just a great. It's a. I think it would be just a really good fit for what we're what we're doing. And uh, and they, he didn't quite understand wholeheartedly what we were doing, but I think by the time we were done making the chair, uh, well, when they made the chair, they they understood they you know, welded it and did a bunch of things to make it as durable as possible. The front wheel still broke off on the yeah. first first day, but, uh, but you know, that wasn't, that wasn't their fault. It was because we re- really put the chair through something that it wasn't really meant to do. It's meant for, uh, you know, like going up hiking in the trails of your, you know, your town or something. I don't know if you live by mountains or whatever, it's not meant to go, you know, what we, what we put it through, but, you know, overall, the chair is is fantastically made. I mean, it's it does have its quirks, uh, as any wheelchair would, because no no chair is perfect. Um, but they uh, they did a really 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 good job of making the chair, and uh, and we still use it. I used it last fall when we went back to Spain mm. again, and I'll use it again next year when we go again. And, uh, and it's, you know, it's, it ended up being a really, really good fit and they, they, they custom make it to me. So, uh, you know, they get my height and my weight and, um, and just my overall physical being. And then they, they make it, he made it specifically to that. So, uh, unfortunately they don't make it anymore. They decided to stop making them because they're just so expensive. I mean, uh, my chair, just so you, just so people know, I mean, it was over $8,000 wow. plus, plus us plus, um, we got an extra set of tires on that as well. So it was, it was a good amount of money and, and, uh, thank, 
thank God we actually had somebody in our community, some friends of ours that, um, that he, he came to us, he's a business owner and he said, Hey, what do you guys need? And I said, I need a wheelchair. And, uh, he took, he was very, him and his wife were very, very generous and bought the chair for us. Awesome. So, um, you know, it's for them to buy that. I don't think they really realized what an impact that would have mm. uh, and the, 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 the ripple effect that would have, um, you know, cause Patrick and I speak, I mean, we speak all around the country and we share footage and our movie and all that. So, so what they did to step into our, into our, our journey, uh, by showing us that kindness and, um, not just from a financial standpoint, but just from a, a heart standpoint, you know, they believed in us. Yeah. They believed in what we were doing. So, it's it's a pretty remarkable piece of equipment. Uh, you know, we've had it's just like anything. You got to keep up. You got to maintain it and do all those things. But it's a great chair. I mean, yeah. Pat has spent a lot of time behind the helm pushing me, and a lot of other people have too. So uh, even Tony, I think, pushed me for a little while. So it's a it's a it's a great little thing, and I'm glad we have it. It's a great scene in the film uh, where there are so many people pushing and pulling. You're wondering how on earth that chair is holding together. It's quite, it's quite incredible. It's, it's, yeah. you, you, you shake your head. Actually, let's talk about the movie. It's been an incredible success, and I'll point my listeners to its source at the end of the interview. Do you guys still watch it now? The oh, movie? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Well over 100 times. Um, because when we, I mean, it, it, it depends on the event, the events like Justin mentioned earlier. We go and speak. Sometimes we'll do a, there'll be a film screening and we'll do a Q and A afterwards. Sometimes people have us come and speak and then yeah, right. have a movie night. And and so we we're we're in there with the the individuals that watch the film because you you, you want to kind of gauge their response. You want to kind of listen to the the sections that really resonate. So when you do a Q and A, you, you're aware of the pulse of the uh, the audience. And so as a result, we've seen it a lot and. Uh, Actually, my wife and I were talking about this, I don't know, probably two or three weeks ago. Uh, like, man, it's, it's been a while since we watched that. We should probably watch it again. <laughs> Even though we've seen it so many times. Oh, that's great. <laughs> but, you know but you know what, Dan? No matter how many times I've seen it, I, I bet you Pat might feel the same way. And Pat, you can speak to this too, is every time, you know, when we come into the square, you know, not, I mean – and not like we're going to ruin the surprise for anybody, but, you know, we make it. Uh, but it's uh, to see our wives and 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 the reaction are of seeing our wives. I mean, it still gets me well, this day. That, like, that's my next question, right? That's the next thing on my on my script here is that scene when you walk into the square. Is I yeah. remember like uh, air punching, you know? Yeah. Punching the air. It was, you know, bawling my eyes out, to be honest. Such a great, it is such a great film because you do overcome extraordinary hardship. And there are times when you think, and I know there are beats in films, Hollywood films, where, you know, you get to a certain point and you think you're watching Bruce Willis or something, you think he's never going to make it. But this is you guys, this is real. And there's, you're both exhausted physically and emotionally, which must have been very, very difficult Camino, that emotional Camino as well. But to get to the to the square and that scene is just amazing. It's incredible. It's just a, it's a beautiful, beautiful journey for the viewer. Yeah, their Camino is beautiful as well. Yeah, 
Yeah. You know, and I, I just, people have said, I don't know, uh, there's a saying here in America. I don't know how, how it is outside of America. People always say Disneyland is the happiest place on earth. Uh, I would actually disagree. I, I think the square in Santiago is the happiest place on earth. Uh, you know, there's, there's so many people, you know, when you're in that square, how much people have suffered to get there. Um, how much how challenging it was for some people. Even if you walk the last hundred kilometers, it's still work, right? It's still a lot of work to get there. So um, whether if you start in St. John or farther or hundred kilometers out, you know, but it's what was interesting about that shot is that was a one take thing. That was not, let's go into the square. Oh, that didn't work. Let's reshoot that. You know, it was, it was, it was, Patrick and I had, we had been through so much. And right as we were about to come into the square, probably, I don't know, maybe 30 yards back from like kind of like this wall, you know, yeah, yeah. our video, one of our videographers, because we had a couple of videographers, he stopped us and he's like, Hey, we got to get this shot set up, you know, and whatever. He's like, cause this is, this, this is it. I mean, we're, this is not, we don't redo this. This is, this is how it's going to go. This is how it will be. So I, I remember Pat and I were like, let's go. Cause we knew our wives were literally right around the corner. <laughs> you know, we hadn't seen them in over a month, you know? So, uh, we, they're right around the corner, but we knew that we had to get the shot right. And, uh, uh, you know, I got to give props to, you know, our director, Terry, um, uh, Mike, Jasper, and Robin, those are our three videographers and, and PA or helper. And those guys, you, they worked their tails off to, to document this film. And they, I mean, just to give an example, they, they, I'm not kidding. You literally ran the Pyrenees mountain. They ran it up and back and up and back and up and back. I mean, they were exhausted by that first day. So, um, and that was just the first day. So, um, to have us come into the square, they, you know, Mike was, was really great. He's like, Hey, we gotta, we gotta get, we gotta get the shot. This is it. So, uh, it's, it is what it is in the end. Oh, man. And I'm glad it came out. I'm glad it came out the way that it did. Cause it's, it's real. That's what really it's- happened. It's so amazing. I've got goosebumps thinking about it. I've got tears in my eyes, actually. But uh, look, just listening to you talk, Justin, and your attitude throughout the whole adventure is one of the great aspects of the story. And I think Patrick would concede you're incredible. Uh, where do you think this inner strength comes from? I'd probably say my, my faith background. Uh, Patrick and I love to laugh. Uh, so humor and... Uh, is a big, big part of our lives and how we live life and we love to, to be together. I mean, we were just talking about this very topic today um, and uh, Patrick and I were. And so, you know, Patrick, you know, I'm very blessed that Pat and I, we just, we love seeing life and we love, you know, very similarly, uh, but we laugh a lot and, and, I would probably say one of the biggest drivers for me is is that I just don't want to live life in regret. I don't want to live go to the end of my life and say I wish I should have. I wish I could. Um, I wish I I had done. You know, huh. um, because I could have very well 
had the idea to do the pilgrimage and said, nope, that's too hard. I'm not going to do that. Uh, but I am so glad that I did. And I'm so glad and ever in debt to Patrick stepping up and saying, yeah, I'll do that with you. And, you know, our, our pilgrimage was incredibly difficult, more than probably say most, uh, just due to the, to the aspect of, of a wheelchair and navigating the trail every day with that. But, uh, but we laughed a lot. Yeah. We, you know, we cried a lot. We, we had many moments of, of peace and many moments of chaos and, uh, and craziness. And, but throughout all of it, uh, humor has been a big part of, of my life, of Patrick's life. Uh, and, and we just really enjoy that. And that helps kind of make things sweeter. Patrick, tell us a Camino story. Funny. Let's do something fun. All right. I know what you're going to say. You're going to throw me under the bus, aren't you? I'm going to throw Justin under the bus so hard. <laughs> it's going to be amazing. Okay. We're about halfway through the Camino. Uh, and we're, I mean, we're in, it's like, I can't remember the name of the town, but it's tiny. There is a little bar um, and an albergue, maybe one like outbuilding where people, like a, a pseudo hotel almost, a few homes, and then a church that's totally just dilapidated. And so there's nobody there, it seems like. It's so tiny, just maybe 15, 20 pilgrims. Justin and I find ourselves in the bar, sitting across from uh, Terry, our director, and we're having dinner. We finished the day, we're exhausted, we crashed in this, this town. And I'm sitting kind of tucked in this little, uh, almost like a booth in this bar, and, and uh, Terry's sitting across from me, and Justin is in his wheelchair to my left. And so I'm talking with Terry, just having a good time, laughing about the day, whatever. And uh, and Justin's sitting there. There's a, this gal goes up to the the counter, and you, you know how they have the chests along the Camino filled with ice cream, they got ice oh, yeah, cream yeah. bars, yeah, Magnum bars, and those are like gold, right? When yeah, you have yeah. a hot day, <laughs> either ice cold beer or ice you know, ice cream cone, or both. Uh, this gal has one of those um, we call them drumsticks here in the states, basically yeah. an ice cream cone with you know the ice cream on top with the nuts and chocolate covering the uh, the, the vanilla ice cream so she buys one of those <laughs> and she takes a bite of it and then she locks eyes with Justin and it's one of those moments where I'm kind of an observer and I don't know what's going to go down but I know something's about to go down <laughs> and she beelines it I mean there's no hesitation she is like a bullet over to Justin she is standing over him Starts talking to him in rapid fire Spanish. This gal is like four foot nothing. She's this tiny little petite thing. And Justin's trying to keep track of what she's saying. She's talking way too fast for anybody to understand. And then the next thing I know, she shoves the ice cream cone in Justin's mouth. And I'm like, what is going on here? This is amazing. So he takes a bite and he's just being so polite. Like, yeah, kind of like nodding, like, uh-huh, whatever she's saying. And he looks over at me. He's like, dude, are you going to help me? And I'm like, nope. I pick up the camera and I take a picture. <laughs> so Justin and this random stranger, they finished the ice cream cone together. It was amazing. <laughs> yeah, I hope, hope I have some sort of, you know, disease or something. I don't know what's going on. But I was force-fed an ice cream cone. I, well, there was no option. I was not not going to eat that thing. She was going to put that thing in my mouth and I was going to eat it. So, 
Pat, thanks a lot, dude. For yeah, yeah, that's a it. great story. That's and here's fun. the deal, Justin. Here's the deal. If the roles were switched, would you have helped me? No. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that is great. That's great. Now, look, Justin, I'm going to give you the final word. Tell us something that we didn't know about this incredible friendship. Well, there's some things that I can share, some things I cannot share. Uh, you know, <laughs> Patrick, I'm going to throw you under the bus uh, this time. So uh, I've known Pat for a long time. I mean, I know a lot of things about him. Uh and even his deepest, darkest secrets, which I will not share, so don't worry about that. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I do. But I did learn through this pilgrimage, going going on this experience on this pilgrimage, is that he has an obsession with with the number four, four, yeah. or four, 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 like OCD, you know, obsessive, compulsive. Uh, you know, he's got a take steps a certain you know going up a flight of stairs he's got to take even amounts of steps if it oh, adds yeah. up in four or brushes brushes teeth in certain you know patterns of four <laughs> and i was like oh, you weirdo but uh no uh, a little bit it's okay i mean it's not that big of a deal, but, um, <laughs> I, I learned that about him. um but i i i uh you know, I'll share a really quick story that yeah. most people, we only think we really shared this before, if I recall. Uh, I might have maybe once before, but uh, we're actually coming through, like walking through a town one day. And uh, this is this is Patrick in a nutshell, in a, in a very good way. I'll, you know, I'll end on a good light here, uh, is that we were going through this town and out of the corner of our eyes, like to our left, we passed this doorway and there were two elderly ladies in the doorway and one elderly lady had fallen and was trapped between two doors. So without even thinking about it, without hesitation, Pat, I said, as I was even saying, stop, like he had already was in motion of stopping and ran back and picked up this lady, uh, picked her up off the ground and took her inside to her, into her, uh, apartment or wherever and set her down in the chair. And she tried to make out with him, but, uh, give him a bunch of kissing everywhere. But, uh, but yeah, but you know, is that kind of guy like just, just saw a need, filled that need and didn't even hesitate about it and, uh, helped these two elderly ladies. And they were, they were quite elderly. I'd probably put them in their early nineties, if not mid nineties. Uh, so they were, they were quite elderly. The yeah. lady was okay. Yeah. But, um, but you know, that's, those are the kind of little things that happened to us along the way that, uh, I wouldn't trade for anything. These little experiences, um, because they made up the much bigger picture of what we went through. And I'm so glad that we did. I'm so glad that we took that step and pushed back fear. And not to say that fear wasn't a part of what we did, because it was um, in, in certain days. But but you know what? I wouldn't trade it for anything because it's led us down a path that I never thought we would be on together. So there you go. It's amazing. You know, Patrick and, and Justin, I'll, I'll point my listeners to the website, uh, so they can watch the film and have some friends around and they can also perhaps if they know somebody who, who might benefit from 
uh, going on a pilgrimage, an assisted pilgrimage. I think it's a wonderful idea. And, and you know what? I'm definitely going to join you one day, I promise. I think, yeah, we will. Yeah, yeah I, I think it's wonderful. I, I, look, I, I think inspirational doesn't do justice to this story. It feels like it's much, much more than that. I'll simply say thank you for having the courage to do what you are doing. And thank you for having the courage to test the limits of friendship, love, hope, and faith. Thanks, Justin and Patrick, for taking the time to talk to me and my listeners. And I want to say to you both, Buen Camino. Buen Camino. My guests this week, Justin Skisuck and Patrick Gray. You can download the movie, I'll Push You, and buy the book at I'llPushYou.com. Have some friends over for a movie night, social distancing, of course, I'llPushYou.com. Pilgrim's hope for a better day, a, a better tomorrow, a better you, a better me, a better world. Pete Seeger saying, we shall overcome, we shall overcome, we shall overcome someday. Oh, deep in my heart, I do believe we shall overcome someday. Yes, we will. Until next week, I'm Dan Mullins. Buen Camino. We shall overcome. We shall overcome. We shall overcome. a lesson. All the older people that had learned how to compromise and learn how to take it easy and be polite and get along and leave everything as they were. The young people taught us all a lesson. We are not afraid. We are not afraid. We 
Oh, mm-hmm.